Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another Tuesday edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nislik with you on this fine Tuesday. And I mean fine when I say fine because it is gorgeous out in the tri-state area of Cincinnati, which is actually why I am taping this podcast outside. So if you hear the birds chirping and humming... We are getting closer and closer to summer. So, yeah, what, today's May 9th as we're taping this. I think we're, what, two weeks away from the start of summer. I guess it's Memorial Day when people like to use it as a start date. But before we get into today's action and fun, I want to remind you guys to sign up for our Cincinnati Football Insider subtext service. You get all the latest news updates and analysis from me, Andrew, and Mike straight to your phone, cutting through the clutter of social media. Uh through the cloth and clutter of social media. Um, and we get to you, the fan, the reader, the listener, before the podcast, before we get to uh, our stories online, before we get to social media. So go to cleveland.com slash bangles. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page to sign up. It's four ninety nine a month, but you get a two-week free trial to start. It's well worth it. Make sure you do it. Again, that's cleveland.com slash bangles. So yesterday, uh, for those who missed and didn't tune in, we talked about three big things or at least a couple things, but it was mostly three big things that people are getting right about the Bengals. So today, naturally, I wanted to switch that and talk about three or more things that people are getting wrong about the Bengals. So I kind of asked you guys sort of, what do you think people are getting right? I wanted to change it up a little bit and kind of ask you guys. So I have some sort of prompts that are half hypothetical, half kind of out there with what pundits are saying and what's out there on Twitter. And I wanted to kind of get your all's take and reaction on it. So I think the biggest one, and we've talked about this a lot, but it's worth bringing up now. You know, one thing that you hear people say is, you know, this is the best chance going into 2023 that Joe Burrow has to win a Super Bowl with that championship window he mentioned, which he said in his own words, is his entire career. And, you know, the reasoning is, oh, after 2023, you lose a lot of guys. How many? We don't know. Some inevitably. But you're going to lose a lot of your key players on offense and defense. So this is like the year. And if you don't get it this year, then it's just going to be even tougher luck from that point on. Do you think people might be wrong in saying that? Like, do you think... No matter what happens with T. Higgins, Logan Wilson, Trey Hendrickson, Chido Awuzie, like, is this really the window, the tightest, best part of the window for Burrow to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, um, I, I disagree that it's that it's going to be the best chance. I think it's the most talented team that the Bengals are going to have in in Burrow's career. You know, it's you don't stumble into guys like 
Jamar Chase and I guess technically they drafted T Higgins in the second round, but it's very hard to, is my point. So, you know, you're, especially when you pay those guys and unless you're accumulating a ton of draft picks, it just becomes a lot harder to, you know, to make an Orlando Brown Jr. signing in free agency like they did. And, you know, to have a, a receiving trio of Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, that's just, it, it's, it, it would take a really, really strong effort from Duke Tobin in the next handful of years to kind of replicate the roster that they're going to have. Uh, the reason that I would push back on, this is the best chance is because you don't quite know what's going to happen in the rest of the AFC. I mean, look at the AFC compared to the NFC. Like the AFC is loaded this year. You got the chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champions, obviously. Um, You know, the dolphins have made some significant improvements. You know, they added Jalen Ramsey. Um, You know, they're going to be better. The Ravens are going to be better. Uh, The bills are still going to be around. Like I, I just, the Browns, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, sure. Year. I, you know, and, and that's the thing. But I guess that's a that's a good segue, Muhammad, because I wouldn't put the Browns kind of in that category with the Ravens, with the Dolphins, with the Bills. Like I like even with the Jaguars, I, I wouldn't put them there just because we haven't seen it. But I guess that's a good way to say that, like, you know, that's a team that's still kind of lurking. And like, I mean, the Steelers are there too. And Mike Tomlin coaches teams to 500 getting out of bed in the morning. Like, I just think that it's it, it's hard to say it's going to be the best chance because, you know, what happens in four years if the quarterback landscape is different? If, um, you know, if, if Josh Allen regresses or something or, you know, somebody gets hurt or, Stefan Diggs leaves and they can't really find another option in Buffalo. Like there, there are other kind of ways that you can look at this. So I, I just think it's hard to say it's their best chance, but I think it's, it's right to say it's going to be their best roster, but it's wrong to say that, uh, you know, this is the best chance that they're going to have in, uh, in Burroughs career. Well, I think the easiest way to sum up what your best chances is, is when you have your most talented roster, I think they kind of go hand in hand. And if your roster is going to take a hit, I don't know. I feel like that that your your chances are going to be lower, regardless of if you know whatever what everybody else is doing. I think you know from just a pure standpoint of looking at the Bengals, their roster is not going to be as good as it is right now in three years. Um, it's just kind of the reality of you know having to sign at least just Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, not even including you know T Higgins or Logan Wilson into the equation for extensions. So I, I do kind of agree. I, I think that people are, are are right to say that, to be honest, because um, it does get harder when you lose talent. I mean, it's just that simple. So to kind of set up what you guys said, so Mike just flat out agrees with kind of what I laid out, whereas Andrew is like, it's not their only chance, but they just – it seems to be that way to people because they just seem to have the most loaded roster with who they have right now. In addition to what they got, like obviously miles Murphy, like, is that kind of where you guys are at with that somewhat similar, but different on that take? I would say completely different because yeah. that's not. So, so Andrew agrees how it's phrased is wrong in, in terms of just like you said, Andrew, like the roster is the best, but this isn't like their only window. Like they could have other opportunities past 2023 is what you're saying, Andrew. Well, you know, yeah, that's, that's kind of the point, but um, you know, I mean, you've got, I mean, think about it. You've got a lot of other quarterbacks that, I mean, I know I mentioned, um, you know, I know I mentioned the bills and the chiefs, but I mean, you've got a lot of other quarterbacks that are about to get paid too. 
And, uh, you know, the Ravens just paid Lamar and who knows what the Dolphins are going to do with Tua, but that's going to happen. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to get paid. Justin Herbert's going to get paid. Like all these guys are going to get contracts. So like, this isn't a problem that's kind of unique to the Bengals. So I just think that, you know, I think you could make a case that, you know, maybe somebody gets unhappy, they get traded. I know quarterback kind of movement is, is sometimes pretty rare, but you know, you just never really know what could happen. And and I think that if you kind of lay out the future of the AFC, uh, it, it's just kind of hard to predict and say, okay, well, you know, this is going to be the the toughest road because blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, I, I just think that there are a couple of different scenarios that you can lay out where, you know, the roster might not be as good, but, you know, maybe, maybe the schedule breaks. I mean, what happens if, you know, two years down the line, you know, you're going into a year and, and Mahomes is hurt or something like that. Like, I just think that, in terms of best chance, it's it's hard to say, but uh, in terms of the roster, yeah, I think you know we're kind of all on the same page that you know just because of the cap, because of kind of where they've had uh, draft picks in the last couple of years, that uh, you know that this is probably going to be the most talented uh, most talented roster that they'll have. So what you're saying is six years from now, Joe Burrow will pull a Carson Palmer after they go four and twelve and request a trade. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't happen because I I think you know. That was a very unpleasant experience for both sides uh, 13 years ago. Although the silver lining is it led to Andy Dalton for almost the better half of the decade. But I think those are really good, fair takes. I mean, I, I like what Andrew said about kind of the roster layout, but Mike makes a good point. Like, it's just so hard to get – it's hard to get to the game. It's even harder to get back. Like, the fact that the Bengals were like one drive away offensively or defensively from nearly making it back last year is remarkable because like we talked about the Rams yesterday, like they have the worst record of any defending world champion in all of major pro sports like ever. Um, I'm not saying the Bengals will get to that point. It just shows you this stuff is really hard to do if you didn't know that already. But uh, another interesting prompt that uh, I think is worth debating are people getting this wrong. And again, these are things we've talked about, but I want to kind of just zoom in on them. The other one that I want to talk about is, you know, people are saying, you know, the Bengals, yes, they drafted Chase Brown. Yes, he's got good tape and his RAS score is pretty good and he's got high reviews, but, you know, they didn't draft higher. They didn't do enough to replace him on JP Ryan and notwithstanding Joe Mixon's legal situation, like Joe Mixon has a lot of mileage on him. You don't know what you're getting out of him. And that maybe this could, at the very least, not help the Bengals or it could hinder their offense next year, much like we kind of saw in the earlier half of uh, the season last year. I mean, is, is there some truth to this? Like, do you think the Bengals might have a serious weakness at the running back position? Or, you know, is there just maybe some exaggeration there where it's like, oh, you got Joe Burrow, you're going to be fine. Like, Chase Brown, Joe Mixon, that'll do for 2023. So we're supposed to be discussing things that I thought people are wrong about. These. So I'm saying, like, I, I, I think people might be wrong about that. Like, do you guys? These are things that our people are correct about. It feels like. So, so you also oh, you agree with that? Yeah, I think they're going to have a problem with with the uh, running game. Do you do you do you think that's wrong, Andrew? I, no, they're going to have a I think they're going to have a big problem with the running game unless Chase Brown can be really good. Um, you know, I they didn't I think they were more, you know, Brian Callahan. I think sometimes he talked about this last year where, you know, he would say, oh, you know, efficiency is kind of more important for us than, you know, than maybe total stats. Uh, he did admit that, you know, their total stats could and needed to be better. But, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I just don't it, it's kind of hard to say that, like, 
you know, the offensive line is going to, you know, take a major step forward and become like the hogs or something like that. They're going to be better. But I, so I, I just, I mean, the offensive line with, you know, an improvement from essentially, let's just say Leo Collins to Orlando Brown, whatever you value that at, uh, assuming that Jonah kicks over to the right side, you have a running back situation with another guy who's a year older and a rookie. I just don't think that, I just don't think that there's a lot to to get horribly excited for with the running game. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. I, I don't think the run game is going to be very good for the Bengals this year. But but the part I want to focus on is, is that going to hurt them offensively? Like you mentioned what Callahan said about the efficiency. Like, is it really yeah, going to matter? Them, like, it hurt them a lot last year when they couldn't put away teams because they couldn't run the ball and they couldn't run clock. I mean, I know they say that they, they, they you know, short passes sort of counters that, but there were times where, um, if they had a long drive where they could have run the ball consistently, uh, they would have been much better off. I, I think it was kind of, I think they're underselling the, um, you know, I, I don't think you have to have a thousand yard back, but I, I do think you have to be uh, more consistent in terms of production than they were last year. So, well, that's fair. I mean, I kind of mentioned like, and just to your point, like the earlier half of last year, we saw that Joe Mixon had the meeting with the offensive line and, Pretty much kind of before the bye week up until like maybe four or five weeks after the bye week, they figure it out. Then they regress up until like, I guess, like that playoff game in Buffalo where Mixon had over 100 yards, which I still think was more on the Bills defense than the Bengals O-line playing well. But I wonder, though, like, are they going to look at that and say, okay, we we saw a lot of two high looks last year. We eventually beat it. Yes, Joe Mixon did fine. Small J.P. Ryan did even better which we also debated when, you know, Peter Ryan was still around. But I just wonder, like, how much is that really going to hurt them? Like, are they just going to be such much more of like a, a pass-heavy offense that, yeah, it's not really great when you only have Joe Mixon and Chase Brown, but does it really hurt you that much? Um, and I see where you guys are coming from on that, but I guess maybe the better way to phrase it to your point, Mike, is what are people getting wrong about the Bengals offense? Like, if it's not the running back room, what do you feel like people might look at with the Bengals offense and say whatever and get it wrong? Like what, what do you think that would be? Uh, in terms of just the offense? Um, sure. Or the defense too, but I guess, cause you know, we're talking about the offense. It could be that as well. Well, I guess people are saying that it was fine that they, you know, I, I think the tight end situation is going to hurt them. I know some people aren't worried because you know, that they feel like, uh, or Smith and that, that group's going to hold it down. But I think it was kind of a, might be a miscalculation that they didn't try to, um, you know, get something at tight end with this, this draft that was so, you know, talented at the position um, or sign a, a guy that's a, a real pass catching threat. Um, you know, they, they seem to have a high, high uh, confident level of confidence in Irv Smith that he's going to be able to perform that role, but it's a lot to ask for somebody that's never done it really, you know, in a way Hayden Hurst did. Um, and I thought their offense was at its best last year when Hayden Hurst uh, was healthy and sort of, um, you know, uh, consistent and, and, and a big part of what they were trying to do. So I'm surprised they went away from that and didn't try to sort of add that element. And I th- think some people said, you know, it's fine. It's not as important of a position. But so I guess that would be mine for the offense. Is is that yours as well, Andrew? Or do you have a different spin on that? No, I, I, you know, I actually think they're going to be fine um, at tight end. Um, you know, I, you look at kind of the, the moves that they made and didn't make. And I mean, you, you draft two receivers, you sign Irv Smith, 
you bring back Drew Sample. Like to me, that just kind of says that, you know, we might see a lot more, you know, I mean, we might see a lot more 10 personnel this year with, with just one running back in the backfield with Mixon, like, or even, you know, Travion Williams or something like that. I just think that this team might lean in even more to kind of what they were. And yeah, Hayden Hurst was kind of a nice part of the offense last year, but I mean, you're not drafting a tight end in this room or you're not signing a tight end in this room to come in and make, you know, 80 catches and 90 catches because, I don't, I mean, look, unless you're drafting Travis Kelsey or, you know, Rob Gronkowski or whoever, like it, it's really, really hard to kind of justify taking away targets from, from Tyler Boyd, T Higgins and Jamar Chase. So I, yeah, I, I don't think tight end is going to be uh, a huge issue for them this year. So Mike brings up a really good point. I want to talk about later in the podcast, kind of a good little teaser there. Um, but before we get to that point, uh, which again, Mike makes a very strong case there. And I think Andrew and I'll have something to say about that later. Uh, uh, you know, this is a prompt that I'm really excited to ask because this is a prompt I could ask today, tomorrow, three months from now, and guess what? Even five months from now, and we could still make a whole podcast out of it, but um, just simply want your thoughts on if people are getting this wrong when, you have guys like I believe Chris Sims from NBC Sports and like two others I can't think of who are saying that Joe Burrow will be your MVP in 2023. Way big of a stretch. Is Mahomes still the guy? Are other people still the guy to look at? Or are they on to something? I mean, I, I think you're on to something in the way, you know, it's not necessarily like a hot take to say that uh you know, to say that Joe Burrow is going to win MVP, you look at the odds and I think they're pretty steadfast with Mahomes, Burrow and Allen being, you know, either, you know, exactly the same. I think I saw FanDuel earlier this week had them both at plus 700 and, you know, other places have Mahomes as a slight favorite over those two. Um, you know, but again, we we talked it, we talked about, uh, you know, kind of what it takes to to be an MVP last year or last season, I should say. Uh you know, you need to be on a on a good team, which the Bengals are going to be. You would by all, you know, for all intents and purposes, they're going to be really good. Uh, you need to be a quarterback unless a running back is going to run for 2000 yards or receiver is going to have like 2200 yards receiving or something insane. Uh, you need to be a quarterback. And I, I don't know. I just think that, you know, it's fine to say that, um, you know, that, that Burrow is going to win MVP. I don't necessarily think it's right or wrong. I know that doesn't really play into what we're doing here, but it's just that there's, to me, there's a group of like, I mean, I would probably throw like four guys into that list, maybe five. If you want to include Herbert, I think it's Mahomes, Burrow, Allen hurts. And then five, if you really, really like the chargers, Um, you know, but again, if, is it is it going to be harder to to say that Justin Herbert's the MVP if the Chargers go ten and seven and finish second in their division? Probably, um, you know. I just I'd look at everything that's going on with the quarterback. You know, arms build up basically across the league, and yeah, it, it's just to me. I I don't know if it's necessarily wrong to say that he's going to win MVP. It's just he's got some pretty stiff competition, so I don't think it's necessarily right either. Well, I don't think it's wrong to say he's one of the favorites, and I think right. that's kind of how I've seen it framed. I don't think anybody, you know, says this guy's going to win the MVP. I mean, let's just say kind of the favorites, and along with Mahomes and that group of quarterbacks. I mean, that's certainly the case. I mean, he's played like it the last two years. They have the the same kind of offensive core. Um, 
you know, I wouldn't say he's a lock. I mean, I wouldn't say any player's a lock because, you know, he always bet the field. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's certainly up there, you know, one of a handful, you know, like you said, four or five guys that are are going to be in that conversation. Well, I mentioned that really specifically for this podcast because I know, like, we talked about this countless times. And believe me, this is not the last time we're going to bring this up, like, especially even before the season starts. But I mean, just because I know Andrew's like Mahomes, the best player in the game. Mahomes is the best quarterback in the game, which again, I think that's a separate conversation like that by itself is also another podcast. But I just wonder like if that's so definitive, like by that logic, is it wrong to say, okay, because Mahomes is the best in the game, then Joey B, unless he like somehow just blows everyone's socks off and outduels Mahomes because they're going to play again next season like they did the last two years, if he outduels him and just has better numbers. And yeah, at that point you can't really argue, but I was just kind of sort of basing it off Andrew's logic. Like, do you, I mean, do you get, you kind of know what I'm talking about Andrew. Cause I know like a lot of times you mentioned, Oh, Mahomes is the best in the game. Like, but at the same time, is it like unfair to write off other guys like for MVP as well to like Mike's point? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously unfair. Cause you know, with the, I mean, if, if you have one team that, I mean, Jalen Hurts, uh, I think there was a point at the end of last year where he was actually the betting favorite to win MVP. If I recall correctly, Mahomes might have been a little banged up. Uh, the Eagles were kind of on a tear and and Hurts moved into the lead. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, unfortunately, Hurts got hurt and uh, missed the the last couple games of the season or whatever it was. And, you know, then it kind of flipped to uh, Mahomes. So I, I just think that, you know, it, it's it depends, you know, it's, it's certainly not a stretch to say that he's uh, he's in that group for sure. Uh, it's just that, um, you know, you never know what can happen if a team, especially in the NFC, you know, God, I mean, you look at, you know, quarterbacks like Dak or Jalen hurts. I mean, if one of those guys goes, you know, 15 and two or something like that, I think they're pretty much automatically in that conversation. I think you're being extremely generous uh, to the Cowboys. Dak is a separate conversation, but the Cowboys going 15 and two. That's a good one. Nice joke. Um, but when we come back, we're not going to be joking around. We're going to get some serious business uh, going back to a point Mike made about uh, the roster questions around tight end and other stuff that we didn't really address with that uh, post draft that we're going to talk about. And before we get to our break, make sure you sign up for our strictly stripes newsletter. It is the best Bengals newsletter out there. It's it's free. It's in your inbox every morning, and it's easy to sign up. Go to cleveland.com slash newsletters and make sure you select the Strictly Stripes newsletter to get the best reporting in your mailbox every morning from me, Mike, and Andrew. We'll be right back on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right, thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So we pretty much spent the better half of this podcast talking about the opposite of what we talked about yesterday, which is, you know, what are people getting wrong about the Bengals if they are indeed getting things wrong about the Bengals? Um, and there was a good point Mike made about, you know, we were talking about the the Bengals offense. Like, is are they going to be hurt a lot by the running back room and the fact that, you know, they only went in the fifth round for a running back and you got Joe Mixon. And Mike made the point of, well, the real concern, if it's not that, is – the fact that you don't have another tight end that you added either in free agency or in the draft, because obviously, you know, that's one position they did not address in the draft. Um, and, and, you know, Andrew said, it's fine. It is what it is. Whereas Mike is like, that could be a problem kind of alluding to, you know, how they use Hayden Hurst last year and how they had guys around him. So I guess the big concern, well, actually, before I get to that part, do you think they add another tight end? Because if you think about it, like, 
there's still still some free agents out there. You get to cut down day, you know, in the preseason. Maybe you pull like a Devin Asiasi and get them off of waivers from like New England. Like, do you actually see them like at some point now or then like adding someone? And if so, like, how do you see them kind of going about that? Well, I mean, I, I, they could, I think kind of the more likely option is the one that you mentioned, you know, where they do something that they did with Devin Asiasi last year, which is, you know, you wait for cut down day, you know, some team moves on from a tight end and, you know, maybe you like him as kind of a long-term project or somebody that can come in and, you know, do a specific role. You're probably not going to get a day one starter, you know, from, from a, a 53 man cut down weekend. But, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you just, I think that that's way more likely than looking at this current free agent class and looking at kind of some of the names here. And, you know, there's Kyle Rudolph and Cameron Brait and Mercedes Lewis, like, are those, you know, Max Williams, like, are those guys that you, you know, you really are, you know, are you, you know, how excited can you really get over those guys? Nothing against those guys. It's just, I, I just don't think that, you know, kind of they represent a significant upgrade kind of what they have on the roster right now. Yeah. I don't see them signing anybody. Um, you know, I, I think they would rather, if anything happened, kind of develop a guy that they have on the practice squad. They got a couple of them, but, um, you know, I think their, their roster is set. I, I think that, that time has passed and that they've kind of, you know, made their decision on how they're going to roll. I just don't know if that was the right decision. So does that basically write off any possibility of return for Mitchell Wilcox, or do you think there's still a chance for him? Yeah, I think that ship has sailed unless, you know, there's an injury or something. Yeah, which is tough for him because, I mean, he's still out there, obviously. They didn't match his tender. I think it was back in March, but that didn't rule off signing him. It just meant that he was able to sign with other teams more freely. So, obviously, tough situation for him unless he finds something better. Um, but, you know, an interesting thing that I saw with, with the Athletic, uh, Paul Daner Jr. was talking with Mike Potts, who's the Bengals team director of scouting, and I'm quoting Mike Potts reading this, and he said to Daner, if we would have moved back and traded again and added another pick, and he's referring to their first-round pick, we could have taken a tight end, but as you go through the process, character and medical uh, can eliminate some players. Uh, and then the rest of it was just yada, yada, yada. But that was the main thing. So there were offers that they were apparently fielding at number 28, you know, once they got on the clock with, uh, you, know, you know, before they got Miles Murphy. Which kind of, I think, leads to another question. Like, I mean, it is what it is. You have Miles Murphy, and I think we all agree unanimously that's going to be a great addition and will be even better if he does well next year. But what if they did trade up and got two second-round picks, which, uh, like I said, they have done before. It's been a while, but they've done it. You get two second-round picks. You still get a DJ Turner, but then maybe use that other one to get a Sam Laporta who, you know, he ended up going in the second round or a Brendan strange from uh Penn state. Like, could you see that being a possibility or do, do you think you're just, you're better off doing what you did with miles Murphy and maybe just getting a tight end later on at some point without having to trade down. Well, we talked about this today in, in a story we did uh, me and Andrew together uh, just about the idea of trading back and uh, would that have been a better option? You know, I made the example, you know, I looked at the trade chart um, and they would have probably been able to get, um, you know, an additional uh, mid third round pick and, and obviously a second round pick, uh, you know, for for their first rounder. Um, so, you're, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, they would have been able to get Laporta and sort of a, a guy in the mid mid third rounds, um, you know, but, but Andrew's point was that, that that pretty much eliminated the idea of 
you know, getting an impact pass rusher. And and I agree, you know, this, the, the, that was their only shot. I, I think the, the pool of players thinned out really quickly there um, after after Murphy in terms of defensive ends or, or, or edge rushers. And so, um, you know, I, I think they made the right decision. I, I, I just think they should have added a tight end in free agency or traded, you know, I, I made this point when I was talking about how they weren't aggressive enough in general that, you know, I would have let go a pick from next year uh, to sort of get one of those early second round picks to land a tight end. I don't think I would have taken one of them over Murphy, but I think in, in addition to um, would have made things a lot easier. Yeah, I like I liked that better. And that was a good story, by the way. For those of you who missed it, go to cleveland.com slash Bengals. Uh, Mike and Andrew actually go much more in depth on that question, but just kind of get your thoughts on that since we're talking about the tight end room. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think really if they add anybody at this point, it's it's going to be a Devin Asiasi-esque scenario where you get to the very end of August, you get the final cuts, and maybe you get somebody, get Joe Schmo from whatever other team that you think could work. you know. But I also think it really sounds like kind of the way they've talked about like Nick Bowers and Tanner Hudson. Like I think they really trust one of those guys to maybe compete to have that uh, third spot with or against, you know, Devin Asiasi. Because, I mean, it's basically going to be Irv Smith 1, Drew Sample 2. You would think Asiasi 3, but like Mike said, they probably want to see some development from those two guys I mentioned. And someone else they could add, you know, at a final cut down. Uh, just to kind of wrap up, uh, and I, I love the – I feel like the real debate we had yesterday, for those who missed it, was talking about which city has the best food or, like, what cities have the best specific food. So I want to sort of revisit that question, but rephrase it a little bit. Um, just in general, not in terms of food, but just generally speaking for leisure, for pleasure, what is a city you absolutely love to visit? Or if you can't think of one because you've been to so many places, what is a city you are absolutely dying to visit and why? Uh, well, one of the cities that I really want to visit is Vegas. Um, you know, it, I might do that this summer where uh, me and my friends are still kind of working on plans for that. Uh, but I really want to go to Vegas. Uh, you know, I, obviously I think, you know, Mike said he was there a few weeks ago. Um, that to me, I, so I know he's, uh, he's experienced in that, in that, uh, in that world. I, I just think that it's one of those things where, you know, I'm kind of at a, a fun time to do it where, uh, you know, me and none of my friends, we have kids, we don't have kids or anything like that right now. So we've got time and we've got, um, you know, we can, we can get a whole big group of us to go and, and kind of make, you know, eight, nine, 10 of us out there. So I think Vegas would be, uh, Vegas would be the, the city that I want to visit the most. I knew you were going to say it. I knew, 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 knew you were going to say Vegas, but anyhow, um, Mike, what were you going to say? Yeah, I go to Vegas, uh, you know, try to get to at least once a year, you know, the ideal is twice, but I mean, there's no better, um, no better spot to visit. Or let me ask you this. Is it Vegas that's the spot to visit or is it the casinos that are the spot to visit? <laughs> oh, well, it's both. I mean, I, you can't separate it. I, I mean, I love the casinos, but I also think that there's plenty, you know, the, the restaurants, the um, atmosphere, the, you know, hotels. I mean, it's, it's a good place to be. Well, there's also See, tons of shows and there's tons. Yeah. Like Mike mentioned the food, there's tons of shows. There's uh, now, I mean, they're going to ha have hockey and they have football now. Like if you want to go see sports, you can do that. Soon baseball. Really, yes, exactly. Yeah. So th there's a lot you can, there's a lot you can do. So if you're like me, you're like a strict Muslim like me who doesn't drink, doesn't gamble, doesn't do casinos. What is the ideal, like fun stuff for Muhammad to do in Vegas? Cause I've never been. 
Go somewhere else. <laughs> you don't go to Vegas. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I mean, if it's not the spot for me, it's not the spot for me. Although I will say, I actually do have um, some Muslim friends who have been there, and they pretty much told me, like, because they're like me, they don't drink or gamble, do any of that. And they said like the hotels are cool, the food is cool, like the the main strip. I guess there's like a main strip that runs through the city. Like, if you like nightlife, just seeing what's out there is cool. I, I think I'll probably visit Vegas at some point. I mean, I wouldn't put it top of my list, but like. I'd say it's on the list. I just don't know how high. I'd say for me, a city I love visiting is probably – I don't want to contradict myself here. Actually, no. I would probably say Dallas uh, because I've been there only – so I've only been there two times, but every time I went it was just remarkably amazing. So much to do, a lot of cool food, a lot of cool scenery. Um, I have some mutual friends who like live there, so it's kind of interesting. I have people I could visit. But as far as a city I'd want to visit – I kind of want to visit L.A. because I've never been to L.A. I feel like L.A. is like a bigger coastal version of Dallas where, like, you have a lot to do, a lot to see, a lot to eat. You're just next to the beach. So, like, Long Beach, Santa Monica. I, I guess I don't know if Anaheim's near the water, but, I mean, that shows you how much it, you know it about is California. Not, it is not near the water. It is not. But that's where uh, Universal <laughs> is, right? Anaheim? Uh, I don't know, but it's for Disney. Universal's in Burbank. Uh, uh Disney's in Disney, Disney, and Anaheim, and they're outside the city. Well, what what about like outside of the United States? Is there like an international city you guys would want to see, like outside of America? Um, or have you not thought that far? (laughs) I want to go to I want to go to Dublin. Um, ooh, actually, sounds nice. That's Ireland, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Venice, Venice would be good in Italy. Ooh, uh, I like how you. I like how you think. That's that's. Oh yeah, yeah. I like how you think. I'd probably say for me. Well, the obvious one is Jerusalem because I'm from Palestine and I've never gone back to visit Palestine. And I'd love to see the Dome of the Rock, which is not far from where my family's originally from in the West Bank. That would be really cool. But I guess the non-biased answer would probably be either Istanbul, just because Turkey has a lot of cool food and culture and sightseeing. Either Istanbul. Or Kuala Lumpur, which is in Malaysia, because uh, it's just very like cosmopolitan. It's a you know, it's got a lot of like Muslim historic sites, and it's near the water, so you can't go wrong. I guess you could say Indonesia too, but they're different. What about you, Mike? Anywhere outside of uh, America? Uh, I mean, we've talked about doing London, um, but okay. um, you know, it's kind of pricey. So, is it? Uh, I'm- Oh yeah, going overseas is, is with with four. Well, people, specifically yeah. London. I don't know if it was like sp- specifically London. Well, international travel is generally expensive. So. Oh yeah, um, it's off yeah. the rails, man. Yeah, like I I I hope to visit Palestine next year. I'm actually working on getting my passport, but I say next year because you you know your boys got to save up some money in the piggy bank. So, uh, we're gonna make that happen. It's a work in progress. Um, man, the world is such a it is such a big playground. There is a lot of cool stuff to see. Heck, I mean. I haven't even explored half of Cincinnati, Ohio. I've been here for eight months. I, I, that's a big playground if you want to talk about stuff to do. But oh, I, I have to keep picking your all's brain on this because uh, th- this, this is fun stuff. Uh, stay with us because uh, we're going to have a fun little debate tomorrow. I don't want to give it away because it's actually kind of fun and I'm looking forward to it. So you just really have to f- tune in Wednesday and find out. Uh, but once again, for myself, Andrew and Mike, I'm Muhammad Amon. Go out and